We are going to get started because we do have a limited time this morning. I'm expecting at 9.30 to uh, abruptly wrap up and run to the other room. So you have in front of you sages and parables. Save that second page for the end. This is uh, just what it says, sages and parables. Would anybody like to read this uh, um, first one about Rav Sheshet? Rav Sheshet was blind. Everyone was going to greet the king, and Rav Sheshet stood up and went along with him. This heretic found him there and said to him, the intact jugs go to the river. Where do the broken jugs go? Why is a blind person going to see the king? Rav Sheshet said to him, come see that I know more than you do. Let me pause you there. So he opens the, the, the heretic, it, and this is a common trope in these types of stories. You've got a Roman or a heretic or you know some, some other uh, non-believer, some uh, enemy of the rabbis who shows up and uh, insults them. And it's a very specific type of insult in most instances. It's an insult uh, uh, against the, the reasoning of the rabbis. I mean, that tells you what, what the rabbis were most sensitive to. That's, that's what they're most uh, attuned to. You, you can attack me for, for my looks, but don't attack my reasoning. You know, anything else is fine. Um, although sometimes they, they do attack the rabbis for their looks or their, their accent or different things like that. But usually... It's saying, oh, your, your, your reasoning is crummy. So he says, you're, you're blind and you're going to meet the king. Yeah. And uh, he, he comes up with what he thinks is this very clever insult. Well, if you're uh, an intact jug, you take it to the water to draw water. But you're a broken jug. You're defective. So what good are you going to do? And what good is it going to do for you? You wouldn't take a broken jug down to the river. And you can see in the commentary... Why is a, pl- a blind person going to see the king? You won't be able to see the king. So the first troop passed, and when the noise grew louder, this heretic said to him, the king is coming. Rav Sheshet said to him, the king is not coming. Second troop passed, and when the noise grew louder, this heretic said to him, now the king is coming. Rav Sheshet said to him, the king is not coming. The third troop passed, and when there was silence, Rav Sheshet said to him, certainly now the king is coming. Aha. So he, he counters the heretic. He says, I'm going to know when the king is coming before you do. You think I can't see anything? Well, I'm not so useless. Uh, don't, don't, don't get so, so uh, full of yourself just because you can see. And... And what happens? There's a you know everybody's cheering and screaming. You know they're they're very excited because you know the the beginning of the the the, the parade is arriving. And you know the king is at the very uh, end in this case. Rav Sheshet knows these people wouldn't be screaming and hollering if the king was standing there. They're they're excited because you know there's you know courtiers. There's you know something fancy. They're very excited for these visitors. But once the the king actually arrived, then there will be an odd hush, right? And uh, 
it's not enough just to say, I'm smarter than you, which he is doing. He also has to say, not only am I smarter than you, I'm smarter than you, and you could do this too if only you studied the way that I did. That this is available, this is knowledge that's available to anyone. If you really studied and understood the Torah and the prophets, then you would have this same wisdom. It's a sales pitch, right? So, continue. So the heretic said to him, how do you know this? And the Rav said to him, royalty on earth is like royalty in the heavens, as it is written with regard to God's revelation to Elijah, the prophet on Mount Horeb. And then it's a quotation, I guess, from Isaiah. From First Kings. It's down at the bottom here. And he said, go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord, and behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire, a still, small voice. This is a very famous passage. Odds are you've heard uh, uh, you've heard this at some point before. Uh, it's found, you know, in the in the Haftarot, uh, and it is. Uh, if you haven't heard the entire, almost certainly you've heard this last line: a still, small voice describing God. It's one of my favorites. Mm -hmm. All right, and let's, let's wrap up this story about Rav Sheshet. And it was so, when Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in... Oh, you can skip that. That's just finishing the verse. No. We get it, right? I don't know if that's appropriate to skip it. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm only skipping it because it's not bold. That's, that's, that's part of the commentary. Um, there's, there's a tendency uh, in the Talmud to quote a couple words from a verse uh, to remind us of the entire verse. Often the part that's missing from the verse is the part that's relevant, the part that's not quoted. You know, if, if I say the, the blessing for bread and I say the motzi, you all know it's hamotzi lechem. Lechem is the bread part. But when I don't say lechem, I say motzi. But we all know what it is. The rabbis do that with the entire Torah, the entire Bible, really. Uh, they'll quote a word or a couple words uh, to, to refer to a verse, regardless of what uh, part of the verse they're referencing. Often it's not in that. So you'll see uh, biblical quotes often uh, when, when you see the commentary, we'll have the rest of the verse there. But I think this pretty much speaks for itself, right? All right, now I spent more time doing that than the commentary, but <laughs> let's continue. When the king came, Rav Sheshet began to bless him. The heretic mockingly said to him, do you bless someone you do not see? And the Gemara asks, and what ultimately happened to the heretic? Some say that his friends gouged out his eyes, and some say that Rav Sheshet fixed his gaze upon him, and the heretic became a pile of bones. Wow. All right, so yes, yes. The, her the heretic did not learn his lesson. Um, uh, continued on be being, uh, uh, you know, provocative. disrespectful. What's that? Provocative. Uh, provocative, disrespectful, insulting, yes. Um, and uh, 
you know, what does this tell you? The, the, the first time, you know, somebody, uh, uh, you know, is, is, is trying to, you know, get your goats, maybe you, maybe you sort of get them better. And after that, you know, they're, they're, they're not trying to, to learn anything. They're not trying, they're, they're not open to knowledge or insight. At that point, it's not worth it. Uh, and you can, what's that? Don't mess with the rabbi. Yeah. <laughs> the heretic should have learned his lesson. Um, you, you, you have, uh, well, it's not his fault he's a heretic. It is his fault he's disrespectful. Uh, or she, I don't know if there's. Um, in any case, it's not their fault for being a heretic. They can't help the way they were born. Uh, but once the heretic sees the great wisdom and insight of the sage, they're supposed to be in awe and say, ah, let me, you know, teach me what you know, let, you know, convert me, let me become Jewish and, and uh, uh, you know, study at the dust of your feet, right? Um, but clearly this, this is somebody who's, who's committed to uh, being a jerk. <laughs> and, uh, you know, at that point, they're, 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 they're not worth the effort. So, uh, you know, the moral is uh, don't mess with the rabbis, I suppose. All right. Uh, other side, we've got some... Uh, <clears throat> we've, we've got some stories about Rabbi Akiva. Rav Huna said that Rav said that Rabbi Meir said, and so it was taught in Abraita in the name of Rabbi Akiva. It's important to cite your sources, right? One must always accustom oneself to say, everything that God does, he does for the best. This is in the middle of a passage that's describing uh, different types of blessings we say in different situations. You know, when you say shehechianu, uh, you know, when you when you say, you know, thank God when there, when something good happens, and when something bad happens, the rabbi say, well, then you also praise God. The mourner's kaddish, for example, is a prayer that just praises God. There's no mention of death, no mention of mourning. Uh, in, in Jewish tradition and the passage that's that's right before this is you know what happens when uh, a disaster happens what happens when you're you're mourning when you hear of, of someone's uh, death you say Baruch Dayan HaEmet uh, you know blessed is the judge of truth we say you know even uh, even the, the the bad things that may happen we still praise God and so that's where this story falls in. According to Rabbi Akiva, this is a particular theology. Everything that God does, he does for the best. The Gemara relates, like this incident, when Rabbi Akiva was walking along the road and came to a certain city. Uh, here, I'm going to let somebody else. Bonnie, do you want to take this one? He 
Are we, are we following the story so far? This is a series of unfortunate events. Uh, he's got to sleep outside on the ground, doesn't even have a, a candle to light, uh, uh, light his way. His, uh, you know, his rooster and his donkey that he's, he's traveling with, you know, probably pretty important. You know, maybe, maybe that's his, his dinner and his transportation. You know, his car broke down. His, his uh, food fell out of the takeout container onto, onto the ground. And he's thinking, ah, oh, gosh, what, what could be worse now? Continue. So this is um, this is a parable, of course, but it's important to know who's in the parable. Uh, Rav Sheshet shows up uh, frequently, and it doesn't always specify that he's blind, but it's these types of details that are important to keep in mind. Who is who is the sage? Why does it matter? The you know Rav Huna said in the name of Rav and Rabbi Meir. Why does it matter all of these names? How does it affect the lesson? Well, what do we know about the life of Rabbi Akiva? Does anybody know how it ended? Poorly. Poorly, to say yeah. the least. He, he was being flayed alive. Yeah. But he was saying the, was he saying the Shema at that time? Yeah, that's exactly right. If we continued reading past the bottom of this page, that's exactly what we would see. Uh, Rabbi Akiva was, was part of the Bar Kokhba rebellion. Uh, against Rome, trying to overthrow the Roman rule of Judea, which was unsuccessful. Uh, and not only was it unsuccessful, but it was disastrous for the Jewish people. It was as bad as it could have been. Uh, they lost the war. Anybody who fought with Bar Kokhba, uh, including Rabbi Akiva, was, was uh, rounded up and killed. Uh, most of them in, in the most excruciating and painful ways. Uh, you know, the Romans were uh, notorious for uh, very publicly uh, and cruelly torturing to death any dissenters. Anybody that went against Rome, that's how they maintained their empire. Um, you know, that's, that's why, uh, uh, you know, you, you have the whole Christian religion. You know, they wear the little cross. That was crucifixion, was one of the standard punishments of the Romans. Uh, you know, let alone Rabbi Akiva, who, who you know, uh, well, was 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 flayed alive. Uh, uh, other sages were were burned alive. Sometimes they describe, uh, uh, you know, wrapping wool, wet wool, around them so that they would burn and be in pain longer. Um, I mean, imagine the kind of of, you know, sick mind that that would would. Uh, try to keep somebody alive longer while they're being burned alive. Horrible. That's what the Romans did. And that's what happened to Rabbi Akiva. Uh, this is all being related after the lifetime of Rabbi Akiva. <coughs> Rav Huna said that Rav said, that Rabbi Meir said, that it was taught in a Brita in the name of Rabbi Akiva. So this is all, you know, uh, 
generations after the lifetime of Rabbi Akiva, every one of these rabbis knows what happened to Rabbi Akiva. They know the story of Rabbi Akiva. So this teaching, when he says everything that God does, he does for the best, can, carries that extra power with it. You know, when, when you read the diary of Anne Frank and she says, you know, despite everything, I believe that people are really good at heart. You know, if I said that, fine, but because it's coming from who it's coming from, it's, it's a, a powerful, memorable, and famous quote when you consider, you know, what this girl has gone through already and what her fate will be. Uh, that's the undertone here. And, uh, you know, here's, here's this parable because Rabbi Akiva did survive longer than many of his contemporaries. Uh, when Bar Kokhba fell, Rabbi Akiva survived and carried on until eventually he was captured by the Romans. Uh, and so what is, what is this parable? He went and slept in a field. You know, he, he lost the battle. He got kicked out of the town. But because of the, the circumstance that he was in, he was able to escape the army that came and took the city into captivity, Right? A little bit further along, we have another uh, another parable about Rabbi Akiva. Um, who wants to read this one? Go for it. So this is this is a dilemma that Jews have faced many times throughout our history, uh, and even today, it's not against the law to study Torah, but you know it's uh, uh, it's not uncommon people to say, you know, why are you getting up so early on a Saturday and driving down to the synagogue to sit and talk about Torah? What good does it do you? Wouldn't it be so much nicer to sleep in? Wouldn't it be so much better? To, to, you know, get your, your, your shopping out of the way or, you know, go for a nice walk. I mean, there's so many options you have. Why waste your time with, with this studying Torah? You know, kol v'chomer, all the more so uh, in, in a case where there's a real danger in studying Torah as there was in the time of Rabbi Akiva. So what does he, what does he reply? The second paragraph. Okay. Rabbi Akiva answered him, I will lay a parable. To what can this be compared? It is like a fox walking along a riverbank when he sees fish gathering and fleeing from place to place. The fox said to him, and what are you fleeing? They said to him, we are fleeing from the nets that people cast upon us. He said to them, do you wish to come up onto dry land and we will reside together just as my ancestors resided with your ancestors? The fish said to him, you are not one of whom they say. He is the cleverest animal. You are not clever. You are a fool. If we are afraid in the water, our natural habitat, which gives 
There you go. So what is Torah to the Jews? It's like water to a fish. Even if the waters are dangerous, it's a lot better to be in the waters. Even, even if it's you know, dangerous to be in the waters, it's better to be in the water than to be out of the water because then you don't have any life at all. What is, what is the meaning of life? For Jews... The meaning of life is contained in the study of Torah. That's the meaning of this parable here. Or the, the, the essence of life, at the very least. If we, if we don't have Torah, we've got nothing. We're as good as dead. Or worse than dead, actually, is what the parable is saying. Well, to seek wisdom. Yeah. That's, I, I don't want to go into a tirade, but uh, <laughs> when you see these schools that are named the Crusaders and how a person feels about that and they praise these Crusades, but you never see the negative part about persecution of people, mm -hmm. uh, taking away one's education, um, Slavery, preventing a black person from education. Mm -hmm. uh, I went far in school. I mean, I was not a good student, and I kind of hated being in, in class. But you take so much away. To me, I'm so privileged to be here on a Saturday, not only to attempt to learn, but the people that, that are here. Uh, it's changed my life. There's, there's a reason, um, and, I, and I skip over, we skip over so many passages in here, because we only, we only have time for, you know, one short passage a week, uh, a fantastic passage from this past week, uh, says, why do we pray in a minion, and why do we study in groups? <clears throat> and the conclusion it comes to is, uh, if, you, if you study alone, even if you're studying Torah, they're talking about Torah. If you study alone, uh, you're, you're, you only get stupider, basically. <laughs> I'm paraphrasing, but only slightly. Uh, how, can you, how can you learn? How can you gain wisdom without studying with somebody else, uh, without a community to, to study with? Uh, and it's not just a matter of I'll have some insights and you'll have some insights and we learn from one another. It's that that is the fundamental, that exchange is the fundamental practice that uh, uh, constitutes Torah study. Reading on your own, studying on your own, you know, amounts to nothing. And, uh, you know, if, if you see people that are, that are too isolated, uh, you can see... Uh, how how sometimes people can become obsessed about certain things because they don't 
have a way of calibrating, uh, or they can become fixated, uh, or you know, there there are people that you know sit in shuttered rooms and solve all the 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 you know try to work out the numerology of the Torah and and get into these you know crazy places uh, that ultimately amount to nothing. It's when we study Torah as a community that we that we actually learn, that we actually grow, that we actually uh, add meaning to our lives, as David said. This is the end of Brachot. This passage is not the end. There are a couple more pages, but but this actually not just this week, but this day, today, this this Shabbat happens to be the the last page, the last daf of Brachot. And when we finish a tractate of Talmud, we have this prayer that we say, uh, and you'll take it for what it is. <laughs> Hadran, the prayer upon completing a tractate. Hadran alach masachet brachot Hadran alan. Please say with me. We will return to you tractate brachot, and you will return to us. Our mind is on you, tractate brachot, and your mind is on us. We will not forget you, tractate brachot, and you will not forget us. Not in this world and not in the next world. May it be your will, our God and God of our ancestors, that we should be loyal to your Torah in this world, and it should be with us in the next world. And then the ten sons of uh, uh, Rav Papa, Hanina Bar Papa, Rami Bar Papa, Nachman Bar Papa, Achi Bar Papa, Abba Bar Papa, Rafram Bar Papa, Rachish Bar Papa, Sorchav Bar Papa, Ada Bar Papa, Daro Bar Papa. It's considered uh, 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 commendable that uh, Rav Papa had ten sons who were all Torah scholars. Ten children, and they all became great Torah scholars. That's what we should all uh, uh, aspire to. Please make it sweet. God, our God, the words of your Torah in our mouths, in the mouths of your nation, the house of Israel, and should, and it should be that we, of all of us, our children and the children of your nation, the house of Israel, that we shall know your name and learn your Torah. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. Let my heart be complete in your statutes in order that I may not be put to shame. I will never forget your precepts, for with them you have quickened me. Blessed are you, Adonai, teach me your statutes. We give thanks before you, Lord our God, God of our ancestors, for you gave us a share among those who sit in the study hall and not among those who sit on street corners. For we arise early and they arise early. We arise for words of Torah, they arise for words of emptiness. We work and they work. We work and receive a reward. They work and do not receive a reward. We run and they run. We run towards eternal life and they run toward the pit of desolation. As it says, and you, O Lord, bring them to the pit of desolation. People of blood and deceit will not live out half their days and I 
I will trust in you. May it be your will, Lord my God, just as you have helped me to complete tractate brachot, so too may you help me to start other tractates and books to complete them, to learn and to teach, to observe and enact, and to fulfill all the words of this teaching of your Torah with love. And may the merit of all the ta'anim and amarim and Torah scholars be present for me, for my descendants, to ensure that the Torah does not depart from my mouth and from the mouths of my descendants for all eternity. May the following be fulfilled for me. When you walk, it will lead you. When you lie down, it will watch over you. When you are awake, it will speak to you. For through me, your days will be multiplied and the years of your life will be increased. Length of days in her right hand and her left riches and honor. God will give strength to his nation. God will bless this nation with peace. May your great name be made holier and greater. In this world that is destined to renew and give life to the dead and raise them to eternal life, to build the city of Jerusalem, to complete the uh, holy temple in its midst, to uproot idol worship from the land, return to the service of heaven to its place. And the Holy One, blessed be God, shall rule in majesty and splendor in our lives and in the lifetime of the entire household of Israel swiftly and in the near future, and we say, Amen. Amen. May God's great name be blessed forever and ever, blessed, praised, glorified, exalted, extolled, honored, elevated, and lauded be the name of the Holy One. Blessed is God above and beyond any blessings and hymns, praises, and consolations which are uttered in the world, and let us say, Amen. May there be abundant peace from heaven, and life upon us and upon all Israel, and we say, Amen. Amen.